to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Today we're joined by Amy Higgins. Amy is the Maritime Beef Council's Industry Coordinator. She raises purebred Angus on her family farm just outside of Quispamsis, New Brunswick, and also operates a veggie box program. She's president of both the New Brunswick and Maritime Angus Associations. Miss Higgins, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thanks for being with us. Uh, let's, let's talk about our podcast careers now that we've both got uh, at least one season under our belt. Is, um, this a, is this a career now? This is weird. Uh, well... <laughs> My uh, my salary hasn't changed much since we started, but it's been a lot of fun. So we'll we'll take that as the benefit, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. You folks have your Simply Verified podcast. You've been at it for a year. We've been at it for a couple. I know just in our pre-show, we were talking a little bit about listenership. One of the things that I always find amazing is when I when we go through our anchor platform and look at the demographics is both the age demographic, which I think we're hitting spot on kind of our demographic, those mid thirties to early fifties. But amazingly, we have, both of us, I think have a fair listenership that is American based. Yeah, it's, it surprised me too. And it's been, there was a few listeners right from the get go that, uh, that were listening in from the States. And since then, a few other countries have joined on, but yeah, it's a neat platform this to get the word wide and beyond. Yeah, it's, um, you know, one of the things that I mean, obviously I listen to a lot of American podcasts as well. They transcend borders, which I think everybody knows. But when we started with 8 to 10% of American listeners and we've maintained that, that tells me that even though we're at close to 4,000 total listens now, they've moved proportionally with our domestic listeners as well. Mm-hmm. So I assume you've listened to some, some of our episodes this year. Absolutely. So when you folks are preparing, I know we kind of have the same idea where we kind of get some messaging through and, and talk to some producers about it. What do you do in, in your preparation for one of your episodes? So we try to send out questions ahead of time because I like it when I'm doing it, some sort of interview process and I get the questions ahead of time. And because ours is linked strictly towards the Verified Beef Plus program, a lot of the questions just relate back to making sure that that tie-in from the topic to the Verified Beef Plus program kind of makes sense. So that's our common thread through the episodes. So just trying to kind of reinforce some of that. And then sometimes we do go down rabbit holes of unscripted questions that come up, but uh, we have, I usually have three or four kind of main topics to kind of thread the theme. And yeah, so I think our approach is very similar as we pick our primary topic. And then we've got Ashley and Amy do a very good storyboard to get us going. But then as far as what questions we're going to ask or what path we're going to take, there's a lot of times I don't even know that until we're halfway through the episode. I was talking to a colleague of mine about yesterday is just the amount of great buy-in that we've had from our producers and their willingness to participate in this platform, to share their information and to share their experiences with their fellow producers. Any comments on the connectivity of not just the maritime producers we work with, but the participation we've had from some great guests from across the country? 
Yeah, we found the same thing too. I think that uh, I haven't been told no a whole bunch when I've asked about doing a topic or if I have, it's been a, well, I don't feel I'm a subject matter expert. So maybe go ask this person. But if you want to talk to me about this topic, like I'd be more comfortable talking about that topic. So then we sort of cue the that topic in maybe to the next season or something like that. Other thing that is a little bit interesting is because of the ability to do the post-production your team and Ashley and your folks do the post-production. Uh, I do a little bit of our post-production through the winter. And then if we have a summer student, the summer our summer student, uh, Chris Aguedes this year does production. And even just taking that pressure off of having to say the right thing at the right time, like, like as if it's a live producer presentation or up in front of 50 people, just mm-hmm. sitting in your sitting in your home office or your farm office as you would be on a Zoom meeting because we've all gotten sort of used to this Zoom culture. Uh, it, I think it just takes a little bit of the pressure off. And I trust that if I bungle up, then it'll get fixed in post-production and it takes that pressure off. Yeah, you're 100% right. Just before you joined us this morning, we were recording the market report and the upcoming events. And you know there were sections of those I was over two or three times because of tongue twisters and trying to read it off my phone and probably more that post-production that I think makes the recordings and makes the episodes more tolerable because nobody really wants to listen to me for 15 minutes, stumble over my words and trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about and stuff like that. So yeah, kudos to those folks that are doing that post-production part. And I thought my 4-H career had weaned me off of saying, um, But it has been very clear in listening as I've been doing post-production editing, that is still very much a tick of mine. Yeah. Ashley has, I think, a tally going of all the times I say, well then, or uh, what's the other one, Ashley, I say a lot? You know, there's a lot of you knows. A lot of you knows, that's right. (laughs) The other thing that we always kind of chuckle about is all of our guests that go, good question, Brad. Um, (laughs) And and I've heard it in some of the other ones as well. And it's funny, you don't really notice that until you start listening. And you're right, picking up on those things that we've been trained through, you know, our 4-H, oh, there was one right there, through our 4-H careers and university and our professional careers, and they still sneak in there. Let's talk a little bit about a couple of our episodes. And I, I think you focused in episode two around some environment work and the environment module in DVP. And we focused a lot this year with the announcement of OFCAF, with the announcement of Living Labs. In Nova Scotia, we've done a lot of work in the development, expansion, and improvement of community pastures. When you're putting together your seasons, how far ahead do you map and what is your flexibility to be able to do an extra episode or switch out episodes if you know a hot topic comes up that you really want to cover so what we do is we sort of map out because we're only we're going monthly so we're shooting for one a month which means we've got to get sort of 12 episodes in over the course of the year uh we will do bonus content too if something if something pops up or if we run a little late because we try to target that 20-ish minute time frame on our podcasts. Uh, for us in particular, everybody's got kind of a different goal. Sometimes we'll have a lot of content or we'll still be recording and we'll have some good stuff after the recording's over. That was one thing that happened in the process. We were just talking about, you know, funny things that happen or kind of wrecks and wonders of, of when you're processing cattle. So something that kind of came up and we just put it in as a bonus episode 
later this spring, we had the Farm Credit Corporation announced, and we had no idea that this was coming, but a sustainability initiative. So we decided to defer one that wasn't as what wasn't quite as timely into the next month. And then we just did a kind of a quick go round on a little bit about that programming and some of the other perks of the Verified Beef Production Plus program. So we try to keep a skeleton and some episodes in the in the pocket where some of them are timely and they they are picked for a certain month for a specific purpose as it relates to the beef production system. But some of them are just flexible and can be moved around if there is something that timely that does come up. Uh, And the bonus episodes are also a good spot to, to lay in anything that is like, you know, exciting and timely and, and has to go out now. And, and we don't want to defer an episode for that. So that's sort of the way that we go with it about it. And because sometimes we do have the opportunity to access a summer student. So we'll try to do a lot of recording in the summertime so that they can do some of that post-production before they head off back to school and it lightens my load for the rest of the, the rest of the year. So sometimes we can have a bunch in the pocket uh, and kind of lay them out as we go. Yeah. And we've been our approach as well. And I sit down usually two or, th- two or three times a year, look at what episodes we already have recorded when we want to release them. Uh, obviously this time of the year, we're recording a lot of episodes to get ready for the coming year. Um, and then if something does pop up, we do have the flexibility. And I think Early on, when we first started in 2020, the recommendation from our consultant that we used to kind of get us set up was to make sure that if you have a release schedule, that you meet that release schedule. Because people do look for that episode every second Tuesday or the first Tuesday of the month or or whenever it is. So having that non-time sensitive stuff ready to go means that there'll always be content there for your listeners. And it's a nice surprise or a nice benefit if there's an additional episode or if there's something that record on short timing, because it is super important. And I know Ashley does a really good job timing episode with when our listeners should be thinking about that topic, right? You know, January, we try to do something around bull selection uh, because it's coming on to bull season and March is around pasture management. And I'd like to say that it's becomes super easy, but there's actually a lot of planning that goes into releasing these 12 or 20 episodes a year. And if it weren't for the production folks in the background doing it, the recording part is actually the easiest, I think. Mm-hmm. When you guys try to track your guests down, how does that work in your world? Do you guys have some guests with the topic? Is that something that comes up kind of pre-recording or? So that's probably a better question for Ashley. So I'm sure I drive her nuts. So I'll say, I, I want to talk about this and this is who I want to talk to about it. And then she spends days trying to track down them and their schedule and me and my schedule. But generally we pick a topic and then say, you know, who is the industry expert or person we should be talking to? And then who is the producer? Because we do try to have a couple of different stakeholder groups on on the conversation or in the call to make sure that it's a balanced set of information and to make sure that it sounds more like a conversation like we're having than a straight Q&A because nobody wants to listen to a, here's a question, here's an answer type of discussion. Right. It's yeah. definitely not as easy as it sounds. No. And the way that you described it, Brad, is is pretty much what we do. So we originally sit down to kind of plan out this season as much as we can in advance. And then that's exactly what it is, is this is the topic that we want to do. Who can best talk on that topic? 
And then from there, we reach out to those people directly. And then we look at scheduling from there, which you're right. Sometimes there's some scheduling conflicts, which can always be the fun part of it, but it always works out in the end. And then it's a matter of figuring out when in the year that episode should be released. So we do try to do, as you mentioned, the release schedule in terms of when it most makes sense to release that recording. And then there's times throughout the year when we'll re-release previous episodes that we had done in prior seasons that are timely, but are still important. So we still release those ones when we can also. Yeah. And I think Amy, you referenced too, like you'll reach out to a potential guest and they'll, for whatever reason, not feel comfortable. They're often willing to maybe do a different episode or point us in the a different direction to get somebody that they think would be better suited. So I think that derived from our connections with the overall industry and knowing the stakeholders and being able to make those connections. That makes miles of sense. So we do a similar thing in terms of trying to get a balanced outlook on whatever the topic is. So if we've got, had been early on trying to get three different panelists, one being a VBP producer, one being kind of the subject matter expert, whether that's a veterinarian or somebody in industry doing something related to that professionally, and then a third person who might be a VBP coordinator, an auditor, or somebody to that effect. And we've been a little bit flexible with the topics and not being diehard about having three people on because sometimes it is like if it's something that's very specific maybe two producers or two industry people or something but we also because we're a national podcast we try to make sure that there's somebody from from the west somebody from the east East central so that's why we try to balance it that way so that it's a little bit balanced because there are topics that are just they look at differently from throughout throughout the country and there's things that are more applicable to certain zones but are interesting for somebody who's not familiar with that so like we've got one that'll come out mid mid July that will be about remote delivery devices so in our neck of the woods in the maritimes not quite as common but it's still interesting the podcast itself is really interesting to listen to because that's a whole different set of challenges for producers in other geographic regions. And I, I always find it interesting when I'm listening to Maritime AgCast is some of the different industry things, like even just having a little bit better of an idea of what's happening in the hog industry and some of mm. those other commodities that I'm not living and breathing, but knowing that there's some challenges there. So I think it's really interesting to have that, uh, that different diverse approach. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that we have the flexibility the most with is because we work with so many sectors and so many organizations that, you know, our breadth of topics that we can talk about is wide, right? So where, where yours is a very specific, it's a great podcast. You know, I, I listen to the episodes. I'm, I'm not a producer. I don't even really know that much about PPP plus other than producers should be doing it, but it's, it's great to get the perspective and, hear those producers about why it improves their farm, why it improves their marketing ability uh, and how it makes them better managers. Because one of the things that we try to intertwine in all of our discussions is the, the management side of the practice or the principle. And I think that's just mostly because my background as an economist, that's been my focus, but we're still able to thread that messaging through, which I think is an interesting way to be able to do it versus you know, the old way we used to do it in 45 minute or hour workshops 
in fire halls all across the province or country. Yeah, absolutely. And having that, uh, that producer, those industry folks who can speak to it instead of listening to the same old economist, no offense, <laughs> droning on economics. Here are upcoming events brought to you by Dalhousie University Faculty of Agriculture. Dalhousie's Faculty of Agriculture is educating the next generation of farmers. Our students learn to solve real-world problems in a friendly, hands-on environment from professors who are leaders in their fields of study. Dow researchers have access to cutting-edge technology, labs, and resources. Whether it's applying genetics to improve livestock, working with producers to engineer more efficient blueberry harvesters, or designing smarter Christmas trees, Dow Agriculture is driving the innovation that makes our farming community stronger. Learn more. Visit dow.ca slash agriculture. In upcoming events, the Maritime Beef Council will be hosting their annual Ford Field Day on August 3rd at the Nippan Research Firm and also preparing for upcoming Maritime Beef Conference on October 21st and 22nd in Moncton, New Brunswick. Please visit maritimebeef.ca for more information on either of these events. In upcoming feeder sales and landing stockyards, they will occur with regular schedule once a month through the summer, with the next one on August 18th at 10 a.m. Please check AtlanticStockHarris.com for a full sales schedule and booking information. In programs, the Nova Scotia cattle producers have two programs available for 2022, the Nova Scotia Genetic Improvement Program, the Nova Scotia Soil Pasture Forage Management Program. Both programs have an application deadline of November 30th. Additional information can be found at nscattle.ca. There are many Nova Scotia farm programs available for 2022, such as the Cattle and Sheep Industry Development Program and the Wildlife Mitigation Program. For a complete list of programs as well as applications and guidelines, please visit novascotia.ca forward slash programs. The On-Farm Climate Action Fund program is now accepting applications with deadline of July 31st. More information can be found at offcaf.prenia.ca. One of the other things that we've talked about, and I know you and I have talked about it a lot, Ashley and I have talked about it a lot, and, and it's really helped us through COVID, and I think it's really changed our perspective on the way we do things, is the ability to archive the information. So just going back to what I just said, like, we used to do workshops all across the region where we would go and do it, we would do the exact same presentation the next night in a different town, it was kind of like being on a rock tour. But now we can go and do that information once, record it, archive it, make it available, but still have the option to do a more hands-on component of it if we need to in specific areas or if there's demand to in specific areas. Yeah, I think that has been some, one of the positives definitely that came out of a global pandemic is doing things a little bit differently from how we've always done them. And even though there are still folks and lots of them who who love to have that face-to-face farm fire hall connection, I think the realization that some of those things need to be reserved and that time spent for time that that benefits their mm-hmm. management system the most. And some of these other things yes. they can be listening to in a podcast, in a tractor seat while they're doing other productive, productive things and leaving that face-to-face fire hall discussion to something that really is truly more beneficial as a discussion than a 45-minute download. Yeah, so I like to kind of compare podcasts to cruise ships, right? So we all, if you've ever been on a cruise, it's kind of like a vacation buffet. It's a small introduction to the countries, 
uh, or to locales that you wouldn't typically have. You know, the way I, I like to use podcasts is here's a little bit of information. See if you're interested. And if you are, there's, there's lots more learning opportunities to seek more information. Yeah, right. There's, it, it is a little tease, te- teaser taster so that you got the people who are seeking additional information are legitimately interested in hearing more because there are other folks who may think that they're interested, but that, and then think, well, this maybe isn't a priority for me after yeah, hearing the, yeah. the little teaser taster. Yeah. And then they haven't used a lot of their own personal resources to realize that it might not be for them either. So really they've saved everybody time, energy, effort, and money. Mm-hmm. Did you have any particular favorites this year as far as episodes go? Or? Well, as always, I like anything that's talking about grazing or grass management, which a couple of your more recent ones had touched on the off-calf program and community pastors. And I think community pastors in general are just a very, and because I've been in a few places across the country, everyone's approach to community pastures or crown pastures or crown land um, lease shares are are a little bit different. So that's always really interesting to hear about, to be honest. And those are the, the latest ones. But then if I'm looking back to some of the other things, they're just some of those industry risk management topics that, you know, day to day, I'm involved in a lot of production and a lot of a lot of risk management, especially one price insurance project in particular. So sometimes it's nice to have that playing in the background as I'm working on something to just kind of get that rounder approach as opposed to the specific project that I'm working on right now. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the community pastures one, and it's one obviously been a, a central part of maritime beef development strategy the last four or five years and the importance of the community pastures. Also in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick uh, in particular, there's been a big focus on redeveloping and improving those pastures, making them more accessible, improving the management of them in general. (laughs) We got wrapped up a little bit this year and actually the day-to-day management of one of the community pastures in Nova Scotia. So we put on our quick learning hats in a hurry and learned about all of the things that we had no idea about. But it was really interesting listening I think, to that episode, and having Willie Versteek, who a first-generation Dutch immigrant, like so many farmers in the Maritimes, talk about the importance to his family's farm in the 50s and 60s of the establishment of those community pastures, and really that's what allowed them to farm in Nova Scotia. My own personal involvement would have been through my family when my parents bought the farm after they emigrated from the Netherlands in 52. And, and there was a need seen to be able to grow the industry in Nova Scotia, cattle industry, and, and not just the beef industry. It was the dairy industry too at the time, although dairy doesn't use it to a large extent today. You know, we, we bought a small farm in Hardwood Lands and uh, there was uh, a few cows that weren't milking very much. And there was a bit of land that wasn't very productive at the time. And this was a really quick and easy way to be able to grow our herd and grow our young cattle specifically by, by putting cattle out on the community pasture. Our reasons for using the pasture at that time were exactly why the pastures are there today. It gives producers a, a real opportunity to uh, lighten the load a little bit in terms of cattle on the farm at home and being able to produce more feed to put in storage and grow your herd. So that's what they were designed for. That's what they're doing today. And, and hopefully we're going to do it more and better going in the future. 
And then right next to that, you've got Dean Manning, who I think is probably one of the biggest advocates for pasture management and grazing management to traditional grazing in the region and a guy that definitely practices what he preaches. So to hear them talk about the importance for them, but also to the industry, and then also tie in the importance to the environment and biodiversity in that is, you know, we kind of look at tracts of land of 500 or 600 acre feet pasture in the Maritimes, but it's so much more than just the grazing that happens on those pastures. Environmental sustainable goods in terms of what grass provides and carbon sequestration, then that's something that's a, a big part of community pastures that, you know, we're not even talking about yet, but it, it's doing its part in environmental services as well. So from a Maritime Beef Council standpoint, we feel this is a very positive step to, uh, to develop in the beef herd here in the Maritime. Yeah, if you think about what those pastures are giving back in terms of species and biodiversity and even just bee populations and, and some of those things, it, it is phenomenal what they can do and yeah. that they haven't been, you know, paved over or anything like that, which is something that is a risk uh, whenever we're talking about, you know, land base of amounts. So I think it's, it is, it, that was a really, really good episode because you did have that, uh, that producer perspective on it as well as that higher level yeah one of the other things i don't know if it was by dumb luck or good management or what the case was is we actually end up having a lot of especially the spring episodes this year talking about climate adaptation community pastures off-calf living labs that all super tied together um, but at the same time were very individual topics with very specific goals to each one of them. And I know that's a big thing of what you folks do with the BBP Plus and uh, Simply BBP podcast is here are all these individual things about how they come together to benefit the greater good for the producer and the industry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because it's it needs that higher level or else it's just somebody telling the story, which is also entertaining. But uh, <laughs> but you've got you've got that thread throughout, which is nice to, to keep some consistency in it. And one of the other episodes, uh, we actually recorded, geez, it must be like a year ago. Like it took us a year to find a, a spot for it. And, uh, you know, you've already said you don't really like listening to economists, but it's probably one of the ones I found most interesting. Was it the uh, inflation? Was it the inflation one? <laughs> it was. It was the inflation and interest rate one. And um, that one was one that I thought to myself again, because it pops up and it automatically downloads whenever I'm, it comes up. That's how my settings are. So I'm like, well, I'm driving, might as well listen to this. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking like, I didn't think that I'd be interested, but I, I at least left that because I was the one whom like, I'm probably not going to follow up with this further down the <laughs> rabbit hole because I'm not interested enough to do that, but I feel slightly smarter than I did <laughs> when I started and that's a big deal so <laughs> yeah yeah and it's you know and that one you know we we barely talked agriculture or farming at all but when you look at the greater landscape and farm management it's a very important topic especially now and you know we released it just as the the Bank of Canada was starting to ratchet up interest rates and mm -hmm. as everybody started to buzz around the topic of inflation in April and you know, some other world events are pushing input costs higher and how to manage those costs. Like it's, it's one of those ones you kind of go, that eh, doesn't really fit. But when you put it in that greater perspective, it fits really well. 
And I had no idea at the time that you guys had that in the, in the recording bank for that had been sitting in the, in the wings for that long. Yeah. Cause it was very timely. Yeah. And that's one of those things about having those things in the bank that you can pardon the pun that you can release at any time. Like we probably looked like superheroes. The fact that we were able to put in podcasts and really it was just the fact that it was something we were interested in almost a year ago and had it ready to go. So kudos to Ashley for that one for sure. So one of the things I'd like to skip gears on a little bit here is just talk about, you know, how we're tracking success in general. Uh, and I know we've had this conversation before about listenership and audience and things like that. So what type of metric do you use in your podcast about how well you're doing and what drives you uh, when you're looking at your, your dashboard to say, yeah, this is working, we should keep going. So what we look at, because we are national, I'm looking to make sure that the listenership is sort of balanced, you know, across the country that we're not ignoring some spots or that there's some spots that aren't uh, missed altogether. So we do have listenership from all over, all over Canada. Uh, the demographic isn't necessarily surprising considering who listens to podcasts uh, sometimes I do look at the episodes to see if there's drop off or if there's certain places that there's a lot of folks who, you know, stop listening or something. We have been fairly lucky. And with the 20 minute to 30 minute podcast target, it is, it's not like it's a huge time investment. So you don't have a whole bunch of people dropping off partway through, but sometimes we, there was one podcast that we did and we just sort of said, well, maybe that format that we used because it was sort of a different format for us maybe that format didn't work and we got to keep those, keep that producer level, keep the producer level in and keep the guests that little bit of robust diversity. So Mm -hmm. that is something that we look at. I don't look at a whole bunch of the demographics in like under a fine toothed comb or anything, but as long as some, there's some people still listening, like you said, Brad, the recording piece, isn't that time consuming. We schedule, we book 30 minute slots for the podcast. If we can have it out there in that curated queue of things that we can refer people back to, if there's a ask about it or one thing or another, I think having it in that format that people can access it whenever they want or need to is nice. So I'm not too worried about like how many people are listening to it on day one or what the, what the listenerships are, are that way. As long as there's still some people picking it up, uh, we've had really good feedback. So that's sort of how we're going. We're not looking to, you know, sell advertisements or, or do some of that stuff with with our podcast. That's not the target. So we're just trying to make some good content that's valuable to producers. Yeah. And I I think the way we track our success would be very similar. You know, I do look a little bit about that first week. It says, you know, here's your anticipated audience and it's the number of listens you get within the first seven days. Uh, And for us, that's fairly consistent. But having said that, we definitely do pick up episode listens all of the time. You know, even our early episodes are still getting listened to, uh, which I think is great. Um, And off that comes when you get a new listener's You'll be talking to somebody and say, yeah, we did a podcast on that and we'll go and listen. They'll like it and they'll go back and listen to some other ones that might work to them as well. One of the things, like you said, it's interesting. And anybody who's been listening to Maritime AgCast since the beginning will notice that the structure of our episodes has changed slightly as well. Uh, So we shoot for a little bit longer episodes. So a lot of ours are somewhere around 35 to 40 minutes. But early on, we were putting our events and our market report at the end. And when you you go in and you look at the where people are dropping off, 
know, nobody was listening to the last five minutes of the episode. Now, you know, dispersing them through the content because those are important pieces of information. And by putting them in the middle, people are more likely to listen to them uh, than they would be if you know, they weren't listening to them there at the end. So you're right, adjusting your, your format or adjusting just your structure can can have a positive or negative impact on your listeners, how they listen, when they listen. Indeed. I don't know, Ashley, did Brad sound like he's talking out of a fishbowl there that last little bit? Yeah, he was kind of coming and going a little bit. I'm just thinking for editing purposes, I can kind of splice it a little, but you are cutting out a little bit, Brad. Yes. Yeah, I dropped my phone on the floor. That might have been part of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys can fix this after post-production, but I just wanted to see if Ashley was picking up on it. (laughs) Yeah, I heard it too. Perfect. Let's keep let's keep all that in then. Uh, that's what's one of the glory things we'll do in a podcast. Here's the Mercury Report brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits, and poultry all featured. Additional information, such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates, and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. For the weekend of July 15, 2022, the local hog market base price in Nova Scotia was 269 per kilogram, up one cent from last week, and an Ontario base price was up one cent from last week to 260 per kilogram. In Quebec, the base price was 226 per kilogram, up 1.4 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle price land and beef products was $3.11 on the rail, an increase of two cents from last week. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.87, moving down two cents from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was $3.10, up two cents from last week. Call cattle Atlantic stockyard sold for $1.07, downward change of eight cents from last week, while rail price land and beef products was $2.02, up two cents from last week. Calls in Ontario averaged $109, down two cents from the prior week, and $0.99 cents in Quebec, moving down one cent. Good dairy bob calves between 9 and 120 pounds. Atlantic stockyards averaged $130, up $59. And good dairy beef bob calves averaged 304 up $46 from last week. Meanwhile, calves in Ontario were down 81 cents to a price of 202 per pound. Calves in Quebec were 223 a drop of 70 cents per pound. Base price for lambs at North Thermal Lamb, it's at $14.60 per kilogram. and sits at 650 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic stockyards averaged $1.94 per pound. At 59 pounds, ranged from $1.50 to $2.35. In Ontario, 50 64 pound lambs average 262 at 58 pounds, ranging from $1.50 to $3.25. For 65 to 79 pound lambs in stockyards, they average 215 at 73 pounds, ranging from 185 to 245. And in Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs average 280 at 73 pounds, ranging from 215 to 360s. Use at Atlantic stockyards range from 200 to 225, averaging 217. In Ontario, use average $1.54 at 137 pounds, ranging from 50 cents to 240. Make sure you check your association's website for additional pricing information. So one of the other things you just mentioned real quickly there, Amy, was sponsorship and or advertising. And that's one of the things I think actually we've kicked around a little bit because we do have the ability within our uh, editing and release platforms to subscribe to advertising, right? So They'll put in ads in, in our episodes for us. But, you know, I think we've been able to build a couple of really good relationships 
uh, with Dalhousie Faculty of Agriculture, Brennan and his crew there, and, as well as Scott and Natalie at the Stockyards. So, you know, our, our, there are advertisers. And to me, I'd much rather have a strategic partnership with those industry partners than do ad placements for Manscaped or Grammarly, which is great, but it's not really in the spirit of the reason we do our podcast. So, you know, they're, like you said, they're not super high costs. Most of the costs in the time. So if we can produce the episodes and get the information out there without having to sell ourselves, I think that's more important to us than it. Yeah. And, and it is literally just the, the kind of the goal of, of the podcast. If one day we get the listenership up and can make some dollars off of it so that we can provide some, you know, lunch for an in-person event or something someday, then that would be great. But that's not like the the driver on this isn't to make make piles of money. And we personally, from the Simply Verified Beef perspective, we're just lucky that we've been able to get some support through the Canadian Ag Partnership in the three provinces of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick and Prince Edward Island to kind of help pay for some of those hours to do the production pieces of it so that we can provide yeah. it at um, no cost to producer. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, I, I think our, the ACMA board has been very supportive since we started this in allowing us to actually spend our time uh, on behalf of all the organizations we work with to use this as a communication because also without their support and allowing us flexibility to you know spend probably 60 to 75 hours a year recording editing releasing you know it, it would make it a lot more challenging for us uh, or we just wouldn't be able to do it so i i think the fact that they've bought in uh, and our individual boards and stakeholders have bought in uh, says a lot about how important they think getting information to producers is brad i don't want to hijack your your interviewing but i've got a question for you about absolutely yeah. pod, podcast recommendations so i'm getting to the end of a few podcasts. I've got some traveling coming up. We're heading out to the Canadian Beef Industry Conference. Going to have some plane time. If uh, if you Do you have some podcast recommendations other than obviously Maritime Agcast? That's already in my queue. I'm already caught up with that. <laughs> any, any, well, others, any others that you know of? Yeah, well, I, I'd appreciate if you went back and listened to every episode again. Okay. Uh, just to get our to get our listenership up, but there, so there's definitely ones that I listen to every single episode, whether they're ag related or not. So Firm for Profit is one that I listen to every week. A real estate guy and a banker from uh, the Midwest, and they talk about farm economics. And also, what they do is interesting is they they split it up into what they call Firm for Profit, Firm for Fun. Um, so the Firm for Profit is kind of a more serious take on you know purchasing equipment or land leasing stuff like that. But then the, the next week will be more about, you know, uh, a local farm family that's into farm diversification uh, and it's more kind of loose and freewheeling. Really great. One of the ones I've got into recently is called Burn Talk and it's a father-son guy. It's more of a recent event, but tied to their hog farming operation. They talk a lot about the stock market and uh, technology and Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I listen to that a lot. Um, yeah, there. Yeah, I could go on a whole list here. Another really good one, Working Cows. So I think that's one I put you on to a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good, you know. And then when it comes to 
non-ag ones that I always recommend. Rubber Boots is really awesome. It's a sports-based one. Uh, Tony Kornheiser is fantastic. He's one of my favorite sports writers. But yeah, there, there's all kinds and there, there's new ones popping up all the time. And you know, like you, I, I travel around a lot. I, I'm actually recording this episode on a drive between Winnipeg and Moose Jaw. On the plane out the other day, I listened to like six podcasts and just download a bunch and they're there ready to, to listen when you're you're ready to listen to. Oh, right on. Thank what, you. What do you listen to? What are, oh. what are your recommendations? My, as is my life, I've got, there's some diverse interests. So <laughs> there's things like I've got one that a friend of mine, well, podcast co-host Bree put me on to called the Unbiased Science Pod. Okay. So they're just good at, they take some, you know, of the topic of the day or what's fancier trending on Instagram and is like, don't buy into the marketing. This is the science behind it. It's a bunch of baloney or not. And these are all the reasons why. So that one's kind of good. Uh, I listen to from a beef perspective, the livestock pod podcast, which is okay. uh, a guy and it's some, some of the purebred show cattle history. And he just talks to families who have been in it a long time about sort of where they started from, where they came from and kind of their successes and challenges challenges as they go through because some of these folks you hear about when they're when they're winning and are sort of at the top of their game but going back and and dialing down into all the struggles and the the kind of history behind it gives a gives a good little good little background there I like true crime podcasts so like there's oh, a me too. I do I am one of, an Australian true crime like just something to listen to that's almost like kind of watching a tv show while you're driving because it's it's eerily entertaining and I don't know I don't know why but it's uh it's something that can can keep me occupied at, at least and then cows on the planet is okay cattle, beef research um beef cattle research council uh, helps put that one out and it is that they talk about various things and they break down this from a more of a research perspective on what things are happening and on some topics and then one that I just discovered when we were talking, because we were talking at, a, at the Beef Cattle Research Council on various podcasts, other beef podcasts that we wanted to keep a listen to were the Coffee, Cows and Crops podcast, which is from Peace River, Peace Country. Oh, and wow. Yeah. They've got some good content. They have had a really interesting pollinator segment about all about bees and some of that kind of stuff. And yeah, so there's a few of those, but that is... Angus Underground is another one just because I'm an Angus breeder and they talk about some fairly some fairly interesting things from some of the EPDs and uh, just some different ways of kind of making your breeding goals and all that stuff. So those are oh, those are a few that I probably listen to the minute that they come up I'll down like it'll automatically download some of the other ones yeah. I you know pick and choose the episodes but those ones generally speaking will be an auto download for me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you bring up the true crime ones. So at home, our TV is either on the Discovery Crime Channel or A&E and we're watching Court Cam or something like that. And one of the ones that I like, it's not so much a crime one, uh, but it's called The Vanished. And it's about missing people uh, and missing, missing persons cases across the world. And uh, that's a really good one that if you're into crime, I, I think would be super awesome. And I would definitely be remiss if I didn't bring up one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, and it's actually a local guy. He's in Halifax called Nighttime. So it's Jordan Bonaparte. And he has kind of three series that he runs. So one of the ones he, he does uh, is called Keep Canada Weird. And it's, uh, he looks at weekly news events and 
you know, just how obscure they are. And then he does a, a weekly series on the, the Nova Scotia mass murder in mass shooting in, in 2020 and, and kind of the, the media around that. So it's interesting as well. And probably I, I would should never say this in public, but I think my actual, if I had to pick like my favorite podcast, probably actually Elijah Schlesinger, um, which if you've ever listened to it, I am probably the exact not demographic that she aims at. Like her demographic is very much like young professional women and she gives dating relationship and family advice. But I sit there and I listen to it. I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not these people, but it is so wildly entertaining. So if you've never listened to Eliza, listen to to that one as well. Because I don't want to mornings. That is awesome. So we're, we're about 45 minutes in here to the recording. And again, either by dumb luck or perfect planning, it sounds like we've kind of reached about a natural end. What do you guys have coming up for next year that we should be looking forward to? So next season, we have some interesting things coming up for the Simply Verified Beef podcast is we took a page out of Maritime Agcast's book and decided that it would be a good time to talk about emergency planning because that's been something that's been a very common thread throughout throughout the industry. Talk about mineral management, genetic improvement, forage planning, continuous learning, sustainability. We did have one individual who reached out to us with topic of egg plastics. So so that's, we're going to do an episode based on a listener who just reached out with an idea. So we're always open to ideas and working them in somehow, some way. And then we're going to do one on audit preparation because we did our first episode on simply the audit, just on the general, you know, here's the process of doing a verified beef production plus audit, but, and the theme of the first season was simply. So every content was just kind of simplifying it. So the second season is about practicality. Like how do we practically do these things? Because the three pillars of the three words in the verified beef production plus are simple, practical, verified. Awesome. Yeah. And Ashley, I know that you probably have the list of episodes there in front of you. What can our listeners look forward to starting in September? Yeah. So we're looking to do a little bit of a different approach in terms of our release schedule also. So rather than having hours bi-weekly, we're going to do a monthly episode instead. So we'll have that release the second Tuesday of each month instead moving forward for this season. But we're going to focus, we have one on nutrition that we're going to be talking about with a local dietitian. So that's going to be talking about convenience foods as snacks. So during harvest or when you're in the tractor, healthy choices that you can have with you for snack options. And then we have uh, like a young producer one where we have a couple of young female producers talking about farm transition. So access to farm equity, that kind of stuff. Hoping to do one on succession planning also, because that's definitely a hot topic right now. So that's in the works to get scheduled. We have hopefully an agritourism one that we're going to be doing also. Hopefully that's going to kick off our season for us. We have uh, the local university here, the Dalhousie University Faculty of Agriculture, who of course is one of our sponsors. We're going to do a recording with them. Um, So that's going to be talking about research that's ongoing right now on campus. And then we have some other interesting ones that are going to come up as the season goes on. Excellent. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely looking forward to those and yeah, a little bit of a change in our schedule, but starting, we're hoping that it's only for a year that we're going to a monthly release and looking to get back into the full swing of things for season number four. 
So with that, uh, thanks very much, Amy and Ashley for being with us. And maybe we'll note real quickly is that we'll have a new director for next year's. Amy Langell will be our, our director and coordinator for the season three of Maritime Agcast. So we'll welcome her and yeah, we'll, we'll get ready for season three here coming up in the next six weeks. So Amy, probably sunny down there in Quiz Pam. So you guys are probably looking to make some aim. We'll let you go with your day. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform. This concludes another episode of Maritime Acast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes.